0: Good morning. Today is Tuesday, January 12 2021. Clearly from last week's parsha, Moshe needs help. When Moshe argues with God about taking on this job, he points out his deficiencies and God says to him, you're going to have help. You'll be assisted in any area that you feel that you're weak. You'll be assisted. And that happens primarily with Aharon. Aharon travels with Moshe, and Aharon is there to do the parts that Moshe feels that he's not able to do, specifically, Moshe speaking to God mentioned that he had a weakness, a difficulty in speaking to Paro, so presumably Aharon would be the spokesperson Moshe would be the one to come up with the content, and Aaron would be the one to speak the words. That's how it sounds from last week's Parsha. The way that it actually works out in this week's Parsha is a little bit surprising because it follows that pattern somewhat, but it deviates from that pattern in some very interesting ways. For example, in our Parsha, El Moshe, God says to Moshe, Emor El Say to Aaron, "Kach matcha, take your staff unate and stretch out your hand al mitraim on the waters of Egypt, the rivers and the lakes and the wells, the dam. all the water will turn to blood. That's the first of the 10 plagues, dam, the water turns to blood. Why Aaron? Why does God tell Moshe to tell Aaron to take his staff? It's taking a staff. It's stretching out your hand. You don't have to speak. (coughs) Why did Moshe need assistance with this part? Going to Paro, I understand. He said he needed assistance. So Aaron speaks to Paro. But in terms of lifting up a staff, why does Moshe have to have Aaron do it and he can't do it himself? So there's a very famous answer given by Rashi, famous medrash of our rabbis, Moshe did not want to cause a plague in the water because water had saved him as a baby. Moshe was a baby in last week's Parsha and his mother put him in a basket and the water of the Nile carried him to what was eventually safety to being raised by the daughter of Pyro. And so Moshe felt gratitude to the water and he felt it would not be right to strike the water with a plague when he himself had benefited from the water. The question is obvious and we've discussed it before. Does it make a difference to the water? (laughs) If it's Moshe raising his arm or Aharon raising his arm, the water is the water and it doesn't think, it doesn't feel, it's inanimate. Whether someone does strike it, whether someone doesn't, who it is, what does it matter? (coughs) How is it possible that there is such an idea of hakarasatov? which is the term for gratitude, what does it mean to have gratitude to inanimate objects? And this is only the first time we see this several other times where Moshe declines to do the action that initiates a plague because he feels a certain gratitude to that inanimate phenomenon or object and does not want to be the agent of causing a plague with it. How do we understand this concept? the way to understand it is the question comes because when we think of expressing gratitude we focus on the person who did us the favor person who did us the favor is owed something and therefore we pay the debt through gratitude did us a favor a kindness and they are owed something so we want to make that whole and we say thank you and we ex- express our indebtedness we express our gratitude but that's missing a very important point because the purpose of gratitude is not only for the recipient I would say not only primarily for the recipient it is for the one who received the favor a person who becomes one who always is looking to show gratitude is always looking to be grateful, that's a person who will always realize people are doing favors for him or her all the time through life. What Hakara Satov wants us to become. It wants us to become a better person who is looking for the reasons to feel grateful and when we are looking for the reasons to feel grateful we will necessarily spend more time being grateful I've shared this with some of you before it's a very powerful idea I've shared with you that this is something that I tried to put into practice myself and I find that it has an incredible impact on my life. Our rabbis suggest to us that when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we say are the words, Mo Ani, HaShem lefonecha. thank you God for letting me wake up. Person should not take for granted that they woke up in the morning. Nebuch, not everybody does wake up in the morning. But let me ask you a question. You just open your eyes. You just woke up. Wait a minute until somebody does a favor for you and then say thank you. Wait until you come downstairs and someone made you a cup of coffee. You say thank you. Wait until somebody does something. What our sages are saying is we, we, we got it backwards. We think about it that we wait until we receive a favor and then we say thank you. Okay, that's, that's nice, that's a first step, but that's not where we're supposed to be. Where we're supposed to be is we start out by saying, I wanna say thank you. Now, now that I want to say thank you, where does it go? Well, if I'm looking, if I'm not looking, I wait until it comes into me. Somebody walks into the room at this minute and brings me a cup of coffee. I'll say thank you for the cup of coffee. That's very nice. It it found me, but that's not what I'm supposed to do. At the moment that I open my eyes, I'm supposed to be looking for how many reasons can I count to be grateful right now? Well, it's quite a list. I woke up. I don't take that for granted. My mind is working. I can get out of bed if I can get out of bed. I feel excited about the day and on and on and on. That's just from opening my eyes. Modeani teaches me that I need to be looking for reasons to be grateful, not so that I don't miss them. It's not like I need a checklist because otherwise I'm going to forget to say thank you to someone or something that did something for me. It's that this needs to be my outlook on life. I am a person who is in the process of always looking for reasons to be grateful. And therefore, it doesn't matter if the recipient is a person or an animal or inanimate. It doesn't matter. I know the water is not going to feel any different if I express gratitude because it saved my life all those years ago. I understand that. I will be different. I will be a person who is looking for ways to be gra- grateful, reasons to be grateful. I will be a different person. Let me tell you about a very great man, a great scholar and leader. He was well known in the 1960s, the 1970s. His name was Rabbi Yisrael, Mer, Rabbi Yisrael Zev Gusman. Rav Gusman was an incredible scholar. As a young man, he was living in Vilna and he was appointed to the Bezdin to be a judge on the Jewish court of Rav Chaim Ozer Grzynski. Rav Chaim Ozer was the greatest Torah leader of the pre-war era. To be invited to join his court was an incredible honor, especially for someone still in his 20s. Rav Gustman used to take walks with Rav Chaim Ozer in the woods, around Vilna to discuss certain things, to get some fresh air. And while they were taking these walks in the woods, Rav Chaim Ozer, this great sage, the greatest Torah scholar of the generation, he would stop and he would point something out to his young colleague, protege, Rav Gusman. He would say um, look at that plant pick up that leaf if you chew that leaf it will give you sustenance for a couple of days and they'd be walking along and he would say you see this little thing here growing you put this under your tongue you won't feel thirsty and Rav guzman is listening to all this you understand they're talmudic scholars it is not a normal thing for Talmudic scholars to take walks and to receive lessons in botany from, uh, this is not what you think Rav Chaim Ozer is gonna tell you if you take a walk. If Rav Chaim Ozer would take me on a walk, I don't think this is the subject that he would discuss with me. The leaves, the flowers, the plants. And Rav Gustin had no idea why he would engage in this conversation. It turned out that those walks saved Rav Gusman's life, because a few years later, the Nazis came, and Rav Gusman joined the partisans, and he was hidden in the forest fighting, hiding for several years, and he finally survived the Holocaust. He went on to become a renowned teacher of Talmud and Torah, eventually settling in Israel and he was able to survive the hunger and the thirst because he recognized the plants Rav Chaim Ozer had shown him on their walks years ago. Now why Rav Chaim Ozer knew to explain this information to Rabbi Gusman years earlier that's the subject of another discussion years later Rav Gusman moved to Israel and he lived next to a person who had a very beautiful garden and every day Rav Gusman whose home was quite modest and he did not have a garden but every day Rabbi Gusman would go outside and he would water The plants of his neighbor's garden. So another friend of Rabbi Gusman, his name is David Mishkovsky, who lived in that area and would see Rabbi Gusman every day watering the plants. It's not such a normal thing for a great rosh yeshiva, a great Torah scholar, busy with students and teaching in Torah, to be watering plants every day. And he went over to him and said, you know. It's interesting that I see that you're watering plants every day. Can you tell me why you do that? And Rav Rav Gusman said, it was plants like these that saved my life during the Holocaust. And out of Hakora Satov, a sense of gratitude, I feel an obligation to water these plants. Now notice, it doesn't make any difference to the plants. Who waters them and it's not the same plants Rav Guzman's plants were back in Lithuania in Poland in, in, in the in the in the forest outside of Vilna but what it means is it was for his own development to be able to keep at the top of his mind the great miracle that had been done for him in keeping him alive and saving his life during the holocaust The sense of gratitude was for him to be always aware of what he had received from these plants and, of course, through the plants from God. The more that a person is open to what they receive from every source, the more that person will be able to appreciate what they have in the present and what they have in the future. One of the things that we've been talking about so often today is the need for us to count our blessings. But let's not do it backwards. It doesn't mean look around you and point out all the things that, thank God, are going, okay, that's not what it means. That's good. That's a start. Don't don't get me wrong. What it means is we live our lives constantly thinking Of how much we receive both animate as well as inanimate and it's that attitude it is that existential approach to life that allows us to feel and recognize and appreciate all the blessings and kindnesses we receive at every moment of the day that's the lesson Moshe teaches us by handing the staff to Aharon. My friends, I wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.